This is First Draft, a dialogue on writing produced at Aspen Public Radio. I'm Mitzi Rapkin. First Draft highlights the voices of writers as they discuss their work, their craft, and the literary arts. My guest is Miriam Taves, author of eight fiction and nonfiction books. Her titles include All My Puny Sorrows and A Complicated Kindness, among others. Her latest novel is called Women Talking and is based on true events in a secluded, conservative Mennonite colony in Bolivia, where over 100 women were drugged and raped over a period of four years, starting in 2005. In Women Talking, Taves imagines eight of the Mennonite women holding secret meetings in a barn to discuss what they should do about the violence which has been perpetrated by men in their own community and to figure out together if they should stay or go. The women are illiterate and living in an isolated colony in a country they are unfamiliar with, including the landscape and the language. Taves was baptized as a Mennonite at age 15 in Manitoba, Canada, and now considers herself a secular Mennonite. We began the discussion with Taves sharing how she first heard about the true events that instigated women talking. I first heard about the rapes in Bolivia, in the Manitoba colony, in 2009. And that was also when the first uh, media reports came out. Um, I think, but I'm not entirely sure that that it was The Guardian who first uh, reported on it. Um, But there were rumors going around in the Mennonite community here in Ontario and in Manitoba, and I'm sure all over the, all over the world, at least in North America. So I heard it then, and, and I was horrified, you know, like everybody else, but, but I wasn't particularly shocked uh, knowing, you know, knowing the culture and, and um, basically, you know, that specific culture in these, in these ultra-conservative colonies. And I, I had many questions. Um, I guess probably they were extensions of questions that I've had my whole life, having grown up in not a closed colony like that, not an ultra-conservative Mennonite colony, but a very conservative Mennonite community. You know, and, and I think in my writing for all all my life, almost, not, maybe not at the very beginning of my career, my so-called career, because I wasn't actually, I hadn't, I wasn't really writing about Mennonites at the beginning. But when I started writing about Mennonites, when I started writing about my own culture and my experiences, fictionalizing them, that, that, that kind of has carried on. And, uh, and so I really feel as though women talking is quite a, a natural, organic extension of that. And the questions that I had, you know, are the same, except, um, you know, when applied to this type of uh, event, you know, these rapes, the reasons for why uh, these rapes happened, why, how they could go on for so long, what was done, what was the response, was, you know, all, all of those things I, I knew that I wanted to attempt to answer some of those questions or at least understand some Stuff. And I was enraged all over again. Every time I come to some kind of peace in a, in a way, a, a, some semblance of peace with my r- religious fundamentalist community, <laughs> I uh, I'm then enraged all over again. You know, it doesn't I, I you know by the things that I see and hear. And, and as soon as I started hearing about these rapes, that yes, I would I wanted somehow to write about it. I didn't know how, ex- other than that, it would be an awful. I didn't know how I would structure the novel. Um, in the meantime, what happened is that my sister became, got very sick and um, 
she was she was suffering from depression and then she died in 2010 she took her own life in 2010 and that's when everything just kind of stopped in my world and um shifted and you know and I thought at that time okay well I don't I just didn't know what I was going to do basically you know I didn't know how I was going to get out of bed in the morning let alone write a novel and all and all of my everything was gone including my my motivation but then you know that's the grieving process and the grieving uh, the edge uh came off it over over time and I realized that I wanted to and needed to write again you know I think for most people when they hear Mennonite the first thing they think of is sort of the, the outfits the right the of course kind yeah. of more conservative outfits and so mm-hmm. maybe people don't even realize that there's a spectrum for that faith yeah, absolutely. It's it's true. You know, people people don't and and um and so right. Okay, so I'm a Mennonite. I wear you know jeans and hoodies and and um, I you know I I also in the community that I grew up in there there were both. I mean, my mother's generation it was that type of dress, but when my sister and I came along, you know, that it sort of morphed into something a little bit more modern, recognizable. But um, but then, of course, there are all the other groups of Mennonites, including these closed colonies in South America. Uh, they're in Canada and the United States. They're everywhere. Um, who, but the, yeah, they're, they're very recognizable. I mean, the uniformity of their dress, the women in the, in the long dresses, you know, just about every part of their body covered. The men in their overalls and hats, and, and they're recognizable. And, 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 you know, they're really like tourist attractions, un, unfortunately. And, and there are all sorts of uh, assumptions that, that we can make. And, and that was part of my goal too with with this book was to show that um it you know that it, i mean it is easy to just kind of say well these are you know these, these strange freaks in the middle of nowhere who all dress the same and think the same and you know have every part of their lives you know controlled by this sort of you know m- mysterious group of elders and these arbitrary rules and 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 it and it's almost um unreal i mean it's it's a it's it's such a bizarre place and and group and so unfamiliar and so closed off from from that you know that it's easy to sort of forget that that they're actually human beings they're real people and 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 these are you know real crimes which is how you know the the elders of the of these colonies you know not all but many of them that that's you know that's that's what they are counting on in a, in a way i mean that's why they are so closed off from the world away from the prying eyes of modern sinful society you know really allows them to behave with impunity and um and for that reason like i said earlier it's, i'm not surprised you know i wasn't surprised when i heard that these things had happened it, it yeah and then there are mennonites you know or like my mother for instance who you know lives with me here in um downtown Toronto it's very modern and you know educated university educated and and uh uh you wouldn't identify her as a Mennonite if you saw her but she is a devout Mennonite and attends a very liberal um open uh church here in Toronto yeah there are so many different ways of being a Mennonite in the world so once you heard of this story in real life, and this was, you know, between 2005 and 2009, this Mennonite colony in Bolivia, the women 
were being raped and they were basically being anesthetized with an animal anesthetic to knock them out. And at first they didn't know if it was um, ghosts visiting them. They didn't know the real cause until they found out it was a group of men within their colony that was raping them. So you knew that this was going on. How did you decide to change that into the format that you did? And your book is Women Talking. And basically the the plot structure is that you have one man, August Epp, who is, uh, he is taking notes. He is the only one that can read and write. And so he is attending these meetings with the women. And you have mostly two families of women. And they are meeting, deciding what they should do and talking about it. And he's writing all their notes. So that's the kind of structure of it. I, I had different scenarios, different ideas that I was entertaining. But eventually it became clear that I wanted these two families, um, different generations of women, because it was um, different generations of, of women, different ages that had been uh, attacked. And um, and I wanted to represent it, and they were, you know, they were related, as all the members of these colonies are. As far as August goes, I mean, August was August was an essential choice for for all sorts of reasons. Yes, that that he's a that he's a man, therefore he knows how to read and write. The women, the girls, aren't educated in these colonies. Um, essentially, they're illiterate, and uh, um, but also, um, you know, Ona, one of one of the women, um, invites August. Uh, to August is 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 and always has been in, in love with Ona in his way. It's not anything that's ever um, really overt or, or consummated or anything like that. But he um, has always loved Ona, and Ona knows this and loves August too in her way. And says, "August, come with us. We have we're going to have these meetings in the loft." She senses that he's suffering, that he's suicidal, that he's despairing, that he's also a marginalized, disenfranchised character within the. Uh, colony. He's not respected by the men. He's not considered to be a real man. Uh, and Ona, for all of these reasons and more, you know, cares deeply about August and and sees that he, that he is, in fact, that his life is in danger and says, come with us, women, you'll be safe while well, you're with us in the loft anyway. And so it's this act of compassion um, and love and concern that that you know that sees August in the loft, um, so so um, that brings August to the loft. So, you know, okay, here's a task. You know, she says, here's a task. You can you can you know how to read and write. You know how to write. You can write the minutes down of our meetings. You can. She doesn't use the word minutes, of course. She says, but you can write down what we say. It'll give you something to do while you're safe with us, essentially in the loft. And then, of course, um, you, you know, the, there's the, in the end, uh, the minutes are irrelevant. Um, the whole point has been, you know, that August, you know, and maybe in my mind, you know, all men, but that's, um, but August, you know, it's time, you know, he's sitting, he's listening, he's, he's learning, he's bearing witness. And the women are the, are the planners, are the philosophers, are the, are the, and, 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 and the ones who will act. And um, they don't need these minutes. Uh, they have far more urgent, important things to do, and will go on to write their own stories. But, um, but it became, but it was, uh, it was, it was a kind of in the whole process of writing um, that moment when I realized, aha, it, you know, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the minute the book, is, the content of the book is going to be the minutes of these meetings, and it's going to be August. This this guy, this this guy with his with his backstory and his set of circumstances and his relationship with the women. Um, he's going to be the one to, you know, to bear witness to to their voices, to their 
to, to their and to their actions. I thought it was interesting because it is so much about conversation the 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 power people have in conversations even uh, the women among them and the perspectives they have i felt like the book in many ways was just you know asking the reader really these big philosophical questions about god and women's rights and powerlessness versus power and can you escape when you don't have the basic skills like they can't read and those sorts of things but you also have to craft it into story form. So to me, that seems like such a challenge as a writer to distinguish each character by what they say. And I'm wondering a little bit more about your process of, of doing that. So I, I, you know, I thought, okay, there'd be eight women. I mean, there had been eight men arrested, eight women, and you know, the, the, the different generations. Um, but but really, I modeled um, the the women uh, after after women, Mennonite women that I know, my, my own family and friends and mother and sister and aunts and grandmothers, et cetera. And, um, and then just attempted to, in this very, I guess this is what, you know, writers, um, but, you know, it, it just attempted to take those, I mean, and maybe composite kind of personality, personalities and, and, um, a characteristics from these women that I know and kind of transpose them onto, onto the women in the loft, the char- the characters. And, it was a challenge to try and keep their voices um, on the one hand distinct, one from the other, but at the same time not in a way. I mean, these are women. I also wanted to, to, to you know, somehow show that, you know, the, these communities are collective communities. These, you know, there's a uniformity not only in the way that the, the women dress and the men dress, but but in their shared experience, in the natural rhythm of their days, in everything that they're doing, in basically what they're being, the information that they're being given, handed down, you know, biblical and worldly and or otherwise. But, but you know, so... Of course, these women are individuals, um, but as, and 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 the hope is that you know they will be able to see that more clearly themselves, um, you know, after after making decisions. But 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 um, but that they're also you know a, a cohesive community collective group uh, with with such shared experience. And so so that, in a way, too, um, you know, it was important to me to sort of have their voices distinctive, but at the same time as a chorus, you know, as, as one voice that, you know, would continue to be one, one voice to to use that shared experience, that shared, um, you know, wisdom um, to come collectively to a decision, you know, you know, in, in the way that we all do. And, need to do when it when it comes to deciding you know for ourselves as women what we're going to do in terms of you know equality and freedom and women's rights um there's obviously an individual component but for the most part this book is about that idea of women coming together at the same time and i know that there are times in the book where you kind of might think i don't know who's saying this or or who's saying that and that didn't bother me when they first meet up they're trying to figure out what they should do and square that with their faith. So that you put it out as this. One, do nothing. Two, stay and fight. And three, leave. I think I 
personally have grappled with each of those, um, not not um, not because of this in, in same same circumstances, but but in my own life, um, in my own past in in that community wondering i know other you know it's 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 always and i think you know that would extend to other people in similar communities do should i stay should i attempt to you know can i can i change the the way this place is can i can i can i can i ever achieve a, a kind of freedom or a voice in this community will i ever have equality or, or should i just leave should i you know is that abandonment or 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 should i just accept this this is just how it is you know though to me that seems like a kind of overall like a broad the the questions that so many of us have even in the workplace you know well you know should i just this is a good job and i stay or anyway but but um but then but then there's another option that the you know at one point that the women um quickly dismiss as being Im- Im- unlikely and and preposterous which is you know asking asking the men to leave um but you know but 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 yeah essentially i mean the the other ones those those were the options and um terrifying each each of them i mean the danger inherent in each of them for these women and girls is ever present one of the more interesting questions the book brings up is that, you know, these women are illiterate. So how do they know exactly what the Bible says? All they've been told their life is by men, what it says. And yet these are the men that are also violating them. So it, it seems like if there's a moment or a crisis of faith to be had, it could be really deep in questioning the very book that they refer everything to that they can't even read for themselves. Absolutely, yeah. The you know received wisdom, so-called wisdom of the Bible, and of course interpreted by men for the benefit of men to you know for men to maintain power and absolute rigid control. And and um, and so the women, they at a certain point in the book, I mean, they do, you know, come to a kind of collective, you, you know, sort of awareness a realization that oh wow we're you know we we're how can how can we um we don't need to necessarily you know follow the strict you know this adherence to what to these these rules again these arbitrary rules that or not arbitrary but rules anyway that the men have um have established because you know not may not necessarily be what's in the bible and how would we know and and um you know and that's another thing that that they would plan to do is is to is to figure that out for themselves, or maybe not them, but maybe their children, maybe their children's children. And August kind of talks about this, but at the you know towards the end, but to to almost create a a, a new religion, you know, extrapolating from the old, but creating one that you know is genuinely <laughs> you know equal, um, lo- loving, tolerant, genuinely one one where everybody can 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 be safe can think and and uh nothing nothing is concluded necessarily in terms of how they will do that uh in the book but but certainly um you know that's that's what they're sometimes the women talk about things and they wouldn't necessarily know that that is exactly what they're talking about for instance when august says you know that you know using the word patriarchy or using the word commodity um but the women but the women do know what they're talking about um and they're creating as they go the language for it and when they have the language for what it is they're talking about they'll be able to, to def- define and, and change and shape you know their their own religion in a sense 
You know, they were also asking really big questions about their faith. Um, you know, what would what would God want for them? Would would God want this sort of maybe freedom for them to leave the the colony and their community and go out? Was that a right place for women to be? Was God's, you know, majesty and gratitude, would it sort of extend to them if they were on the run? And I'm just wondering if these were questions, maybe that somehow mirrored ones that you've had, as you maybe mentioned, or, you know, what did you get out of having these women grapple with these spiritual questions for you, if anything? Absolutely, always. Um, And that continues to be the questions that those women are grappling with are, in my own way, questions that um, I have grappled with all of my life. And I I see no end to that. I had thought at some point in my life that, that, you know, I would, you know, I would come to some um, understanding of closure, though, of course, closure doesn't exist. But, but, um, to 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 forge a spiritual life, to take everything that we were taught, um, even from the scripture, from the gospel, all all of the beautiful, genuine, the loving things, the things that are rooted in compassion and in in true love and true tolerance and and peace and um, and joy, all all you know, the joy of of belief, believing, I mean, um, the faith uh, in, in, in a better world or, you know, and in goodness and all of those things that are part of the, are part of the faith and can communal living even, taking care of one another. And um, um, to take all of that and to hold on to that and to know that that is also ours, to ours for the, you know, that we can take that and we can embody that without somehow being entrapped in that religious framework you know like in that culture of control which is the church which is the human male leaders of the churches and in the in the more liberal Mennonite churches it's not always male leaders but but in the one that I grew up in in these colonies um you know to be able to separate that that you know that 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 Mennonite patriarchy and that hierarchy, that authority, um, that self-sanctioned kind of authority, and that uh, and then and then to take what is good from it, is a constant um, weighing, measuring, you know, thinking of oneself in relation to the world. Like, is it better to be out? You know, should I go into the world? Is that my Christian, or, or not necessarily Christian, but is that my duty as a as a person who believes in something bigger than myself? Um, you know, or, or should I? You, all those questions that that are all you could say the baggage from from an upbringing like mine, um, or or you, or you could say are are the questions that again that so many of us have in terms of just defining who we are as individuals and in community. Can you read a passage from an author that speaks to you or influenced you as a writer? Okay. Uh, I want to read from the book uh, Random Family by Adrienne Nicole LeBlanc. Okay. This is a book published in 2003. Um, Adrienne Nicole LeBlanc is a a reporter, a journalist, and um, she spent 
10 years uh, with two families, um, basi- basically, you know, all, all but li- living with them, really, uh, for the most part, 10 years, um, observing, uh, writing, and, um, and uh, ri- writing this book, Two Families in, in the Bronx. Uh, and um, and it, it's just, for me, it's just such a powerful, um, unusual book i mean it's it's nonfiction it's it's reportage, but it reads like the best novel um the way that you know her i mean her her compassionate observation of these families and of the details and of her commitment and and of the time that she took uh is just is just is um astonishing to me and it's a book that i my entire family has read and that I recommend to everybody I know. Um, Chapter 1 Jessica lived on Tremont Avenue on one of the poorer blocks in a very poor section of the Bronx She dressed even to go to the store Chance was opportunity in the ghetto and you had to be prepared for anything She didn't have much of a wardrobe but she was resourceful with what she had Her sister's Lee jeans, her best friend's earrings her mother's t-shirts and perfume Her appearance on the streets in her neighborhood usually caused a stir A 16-year-old Puerto Rican girl with bright hazel eyes, a huge inviting smile, and a voluptuous shape, she radiated intimacy wherever she went. You could be talking to her in the middle of the bustle of Tremont and feel as if lovers' confidences were being exchanged beneath a tent of sheets. Guys in cars offered rides. Grown men got stupid. Women pursed their lips. Boys made promises they could not keep. Jessica was good at attracting boys, but less good at holding on to them. She fell in love hard and fast. She desperately wanted to be somebody's real girlfriend, but she always ended up the other girl, the mistress, the one they saw on the down low, the girl nobody claimed. Boys called up to her window after they'd dropped off their main girls, the steady ones they referred to as wives. Jessica still had her fun, but her fun was somebody else's trouble. And for a wild girl at the dangerous age, the trouble could get big. Do you want to say anything else? You said a lot before, but anything else about why you chose it? Um, I don't know. It's just a book that I read, you know, when it came out, 2003. It's inspired me along the way. I think the writing is uh, just profound and, again, compassionate and and detailed and, again, reads like the best kind of uh, fiction. Can you read something you wrote? Maybe it was tricky or hard or changed a lot from the first draft. I'm going to read the first little bit of um, All My Peony Sorrows. Uh, and it was tricky this first bit I had you know false starts on on this novel Uh, one of the challenges was um, you know this this is a book about um, it's a book about my sister it's a book about mental health and it's a book about one so you know one sister who the younger one myself it's a very autobiographical novel you know trying desperately to save her older sister uh who very much wants to die um uh, you know it's a about assisted suicide i guess if you want to think of it as you know issues within the book but 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 essentially it's about the love and between these two sisters and, and what that means what love means in this case um and the tone was very important to establish uh, right off the bat because it's a dark subject, um, you know, oh, a book about suicide, well, that's depressing, you know. But so it was important to, um, just very important to me to get the tone right, um, to get to somehow convey the, 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 
the relationship between the two sisters, and because it is autobiographical, my relationship with my sister was one filled with laughter and uh, hilarity, really, chaos, um, pain. Um, but but essentially, you know, for me, I mean, my sister was and always has been my muse in a way and definitely the funniest person that I've ever known. And it was important to me that the book be funny um, but also honest and to establish a tone whereby my readers would feel safe with me, that they would be safe with me um, going through going through the story, that, we, that they would know we'd come out, you know, we could go through this darkness together and come out together at the other end. Um, so all of that said, it was important to get to establish that tone right off the top. And I, and, and so I, I many false starts, like I said, and, and I, um, so this is, I'll read the beginning. Um, and, and, um, you know, it's, uh, an image, which I thought was a little funny, a little absurd of a house being taken away, but also, um, on the back of a truck, but also, uh, you know, kind of, uh, conveys that, that loss. Our house was taken away on the back of a truck one afternoon late in the summer of 1979. My parents and my older sister and I stood in the middle of the street and watched it disappear, a low-slung bungalow made of wood and brick and plaster, slowly making its way down First Street, past the A&W and the deluxe bowling lanes, and out onto the number 12 highway, where we eventually lost sight of it. I can still see it, said my sister Elfrida, repeatedly, until finally she couldn't. I can still see it. I can still see it. I can still... Okay, nope, it's gone, she said. Where's it going? I asked my father. We stood in the center of the road. The house was gone. My father made a visor with his hand to block the sun's glare. I don't know, he said. He didn't want to know. Elfrida and my mother and I got into our car and waited for my father to join us. He stood looking at emptiness for what seemed like an eternity to me. Elfrida complained that the backs of her legs were burning up on the hot plastic seat. Finally, my mother reached over and honked the horn, only slightly, not enough to startle my father, but to make him turn and look at us. Where do you write? In my dining room. And what do you do or where do you go to get away from writing? Uh, I go to the movies. <laughs> I go, I watch, uh, I go see a lot of movies. There's this uh, kind of great... Um, cinema building complex just down the road down the road a lot of foreign films art films every kind of movie you can imagine spend a lot of time there spend a lot of time with my grandchildren and who do you show your work to first to get feedback i show it to my partner eric how have you dealt with rejection <laughs> no probably no not well i'm really curious to know what other writers say uh uh I mean, who does? It's um, it gets better. I mean, it gets easier after a while, I suppose. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you kind of lose that piss and vinegar as you age <laughs> to to say to to really fight back. But but um, no, I mean, it hurts obviously. But it's you know, it's part of life. It's certainly part of the writing life. But it's part of life. Uh, and um, but the the time I, I can I, I can I can keep that particular <laughs> um, you know. Emo- <laughs> pain uh, 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 from, from, from rejection to myself a little bit easier than I, than I used to, and it passes a little bit faster, too. You give it, you know, 48 hours of kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> obsessing over it, and it goes away. And what is your favorite word? 
Well, I had a, I mean, my <laughs> that changes, as you can imagine, every, every day almost. But these days, I would have to say I'm, I'm really kind of in, in kind of besotted with the word recuse. I like the way it sounds, I like the way it rolls off my tongue. I like the way that you use it in a sentence and what it means. You know, uh, I must recuse myself <laughs> from, these, from, from this jury or from these proceedings or from this meeting um, because of a conflict of interest, is, I guess, is the, you know, the, the definition where you have to uh, recuse yourself <laughs> uh, because of a potential conflict of interest. It's a good word. It sounds good. It's fun to say. You've been listening to First Draft, a dialogue on writing produced at Aspen Public Radio. My guest was Miriam Taves, author of Women Talking. You can follow First Draft on Facebook. Just look for First Draft, a dialogue on writing and click like, and on Twitter at First Draft APR. You can email me at firstdraftwriters at gmail.com. The theme music for First Draft was produced and performed by Murph Mahaffey. I'm Mitzi Rapkin. Thanks for listening.